Here's a question for you. How many worldviews are there out there that actually make sense of the world we live in? Around this time of year, I always think about how strange it would be to have a holiday like Thanksgiving, where the whole purpose is to give thanks to God for his blessings, but to not believe in God. Whom would you thank? And how many of my neighbors actually don't believe in God, don't share my worldview? Well, I can tell you it's 94%. 94% of Americans don't have a biblical worldview. Now, if you're a Christian like me, then you believe that the view of the world and life presented by the Bible is the true one. It's true. The most basic, most fundamental teaching of the Bible is that God is there. The triune God of Scripture is real. He lives. God himself is the ultimate explanation for why there is stuff like logic and morality, human dignity, the laws of physics and science, etc. You take out God and you lose all these things. Yes, adherents of non-Christian worldviews want to lay claim to all that stuff, but they don't have a leg to stand on. Their worldviews don't actually provide them an adequate basis to account for, to explain all that stuff. So they must steal from our worldview. That's what we're talking about today. This is Worldview Legacy, the podcast from the Think Institute that helps Christian men become the worldview leaders their families and churches need. My name is Joel Sedekes. I'm a former pastor and missionary, and now I'm the executive director of the Think Institute. I used to defend my faith the completely wrong way until God changed my attitude and my approach. Now I help believers to talk about their faith with confidence and to pass it on to the younger generation and to answer the world's questions from the Bible. So, How do non-Christians commit these egregious acts of grand theft worldview, and how can you stop them? Well, this episode is going to help you interact with non-Christians in your life. You're going to learn how to better be able to challenge the claims that they make about the world, about the Bible, about Christianity, and about life in general. And you need to be ready to do this so that you can show them the truth of God's Word and clear away obstacles to faith and strengthen your own faith and the faith of your family. You want to make a difference for the gospel in your local area, and this episode is going to help you do exactly that. So have you ever wondered if there were other religions that do just as good of a job as Christianity at explaining our experience and answering those big questions of life? Do you want to grow more confident in talking about your faith with non-Christians? Well, one way to grow in confidence is to realize that in order to make sense, Every other religion and philosophy must steal from God's word in order to make any sense. That's a pretty huge confidence booster. When your worldview is the one with all the answers that all the other religions are trying to cheat off of for the big test, that's a major confidence boost. Well, in this episode, you're going to learn what it means to steal from Christianity. You're going to learn three ways that non-Christians do steal from Christianity, or at least attempt to. And you're going to learn how to catch non-Christians stealing from Christianity and then how to respond when they do. Hey, if you want to take your progress of becoming the worldview leader that your family and your church need to the next level, you need to know about our online community. This is the community, the group, where you can discuss and learn from over 700 others who are on the same journey that you're on. Every day, we're finding answers to important questions and sharing resources that will help you do what God has uniquely called you to do. 
to articulate and defend the truth of the Christian worldview and to answer the questions that come up when you share your faith. I'll tell you how to get access to that group after the show. Okay, now let's dive in. I want to give you a word picture that I use with my students. You come home from church this Sunday and you walk into your room and your cousin Chris is there in your room, sitting at your desk, tapping away at your computer. Okay, that would be weird, right? But it actually gets weirder. On the wall above your bed, your bed, there is a sign written with your markers on paper taken from your supplies reading Chris's room. You look closer at the computer screen and you see that he's typing an email to your aunt, his mom. And the email is saying that your room is actually his and that he'll be staying there for a while. At this point, you've had enough and you yell out, Chris, what are you doing? And he turns to you and he says, what are you doing in my room? Your room, you respond. To which Chris responds, see that sign on the wall? See how comfortable I am in this chair? Look, I'm even wearing these comfy wool socks that I got out of the dirty laundry over there. Gross, dude. I'm even using this laptop to type an email to my mom about how you are never coming back to this room. This is all proof that this is my room. Leave. Now, imagine that you take out a magnifying glass and you begin to examine the sign on the wall because you're hoping that the ink is still damp indicating that it was written recently, and therefore that would serve as evidence that maybe Chris really doesn't own the room. So you get out your phone and you begin writing an email to your aunt. Dear Aunt Edna, I know that the ownership of what has traditionally been thought of as my room has been called into question lately. However, I'd like to present what I believe to be strong evidence pointing to the high probability that the room is actually mine. Okay, that would be ridiculous. All my students recognize this. It would be crazy. After all, Cousin Chris is using your laptop to type his email. He used your paper, your marker, your tape to make the sign. He's wearing your socks on his feet. It's all your stuff. Instead of arguing with him, a better response would be to pick him up by his belt loops and chuck him out the front door into the gutter, into the street. I want you to understand something very important. What Cousin Chris did here, this is exactly what non-Christians do when they argue against the truth of the Christian message, the Christian worldview. In order to make their points, they steal principles and standards and values that come from Christianity, and you must not let them. Let's start with what does it mean to steal from Christianity? First, we have to realize that there is nothing in this universe, nothing in all human experience that is not from God. So this means that scientific principles, laws of logic, moral obligations, things that are like right to do, that we ought to do, that we ought not to do, these all belong to God. There is nothing in human experience other than what is from God. Now we're going to get into this more in other episodes, but Let's look at science for a minute. Science is a way of learning new things by asking a question and creating a hypothesis and then testing the hypothesis and then drawing conclusions based on the results after many repeated experiments. Science requires that there be these physical laws of the universe that are constant, laws like gravity, 
And these laws must work in a reliable, consistent, uniform way everywhere at all times. This is called uniformity in nature. Science also requires that the universe be the kind of place where we can make conclusions about it all based on an experiment that is done on only a very small sample of the whole. This is called inductive reasoning, where you take a small sample and then you draw out conclusions and you extrapolate them out about everything. So you're making conclusions about the whole based on one small part. These are principles that are not proved by science. They're not demonstrated by science, but they have to be assumed or presupposed before we can do any science at all. As Christians, we have a very good reason for assuming that these principles are real. Jesus Christ has all authority over heaven and earth. That's Matthew 28, 18. Jesus is faithful. He is reliable. And Hebrews 1, 3 says that Jesus holds everything together by his mighty word. So we have a good reason for thinking that there are these invisible principles. Second, when a non-Christian wants to be autonomous, remember, autonomous means self-ruled or self-lawed. If a non-believer wants to be autonomous and disprove Christianity or disprove the Bible or the Christian worldview, and they want to use science or logic or morality in order to do it, they have to assume that the universe is the way that the Bible says that it is, while also denying that it's God who made it that way or Jesus who keeps it that way, because they're denying the Christian worldview. So if the non-Christian wants to do this, he must explain why the world behaves exactly like the Bible says that it does, but using principles that only come from his non-Christian worldview. This cannot be done. This is stealing from Christianity. So how do non-Christians actually steal from Christianity? They do this when they argue against the Christian worldview by using the teachings of the Christian message without acknowledging that they come from Christianity or from the God revealed by the Bible. They may say that these principles are just the way that the world works. Logic just is. Morality just is. That's just the way things are. But these are arbitrary assertions. They're given without reason, without evidence, without explanation. Here's why this is such a problem for them. If their argument were to be successful in disproving the Christian message, then it would actually undercut the very principle that they need to use in order to disprove it. This is like a person sitting on a limb of a tree and holding a saw and cutting off the very branch that he is sitting on. Okay, not smart. You see what I'm saying? Think about it. Biblical Christianity is the foundation for the principles of science. If someone were to try to use science to disprove Christianity, and they were successful, not possible, but let's say that they were, hypothetically, they would have then lost the foundation for science. This means that their scientific argument against Christianity is actually powerless. It defangs itself. So you see the problem here for the non-Christian. Now, Cornelius Van Til, the godfather of presuppositional apologetics, hashtag that presup, described this as like a little child standing on her father's lap in order to slap him in the face. She wouldn't have been able to reach his face without climbing up onto him. It's the same thing. Remember, it's like that guy in the tree cutting off the branch that he's sitting on. 
there are three examples of how unbelievers may steal from Christianity. Okay, example one, accusing the Bible's claims of being illogical. See, the laws of logic cannot be broken except by a false claim. A contradiction, for example, cannot be true. There's no such thing as a true contradiction. If two statements directly oppose one another and they actually are contradictory, one of them must be false. They can both be false, but they can't both be true. So if the Bible is illogical, then the Bible is false, taken as a whole. But if it's false, then the God of the Bible is not the foundation for logic's unbreakable laws, because it's the Bible that tells us about God. But then logic's explanation and foundation isn't God. So it is what exactly? See, the Bible gives us the basis for believing in the God who makes logic make sense. You take God out of the picture and you are just like that lumberjack sitting up in the tree, sawing off the limb that he's actually sitting on. Okay, example one then is accusing God's, accusing the Bible's claims of being illogical. What about example two? This is accusing God of violating human rights. Example two is accusing God of violating human rights. This argument tries to say that God is not good because he supposedly breaks human rights. He violates human rights. However, human rights depend on human dignity and value. These are concepts given by God in the Bible. But if God is not good, then there's no reason to trust what his word says about human dignity. So what is the foundation for human rights? You can't say they just are. That's arbitrary. Okay, so that's example two, accusing God of violating human rights. Now, on to example three. Example three is accusing the Bible of being anti-science. We've already seen how these principles of science work perfectly well within the biblical worldview. They are exactly how the Bible says we should expect the world to work. But if the Bible is not true, then what is the foundation for science? No Bible, no science. So now, how should you respond when you notice that a worldview theft, or how should you respond to worldview theft? First, learn to spot that a theft is being attempted. See that the unbeliever is appealing to principles that are taught in the Bible, or at least depend on biblical truth, like logic. You're not going to find a, a formal system of logic in the Bible, but logic presupposes the God of the Bible. So step one, learn to spot that a theft is being attempted. Step two, ask for definitions. What does the unbeliever mean by illogical or immoral or anti-science? Third, ask for a standard. Demand a standard. Without the God of the Bible, what is the absolute, unchanging, objective standard by which we judge something as immoral or unscientific or illogical, etc.? And how are we going to say that these things are wrong without an objective standard giving meaning to these terms? So as an example, let's say a non-Christian friend says he could never believe in a God who did the things that God is recorded to have done in the Old Testament. Here's how you'd use these steps. Step one, first say, it sounds like you're accusing God of being immoral. Is that right? You're learning to spot, you're spotting that a worldview theft is being attempted. Then you ask for the definition. You say, what do you mean by immoral? 
ask him to define his term. And then third, ask, how do we judge which things are immoral? What standard applies to everyone at all times, even to God? Because it would have to be a standard that applies to God if God is violating this standard. Now, how do we know about this standard? How Was it revealed to us? Was it just something that the non-Christian just made up? And if so, what gives him the right to do that? Now, is all this, is this avoiding the question through obfuscation, just asking questions? No. Actually, instead, it's taking your unbelieving discussion partner's claim seriously and showing that you care about him and his views by asking to understand them better. Furthermore, it's refusing to be taken captive by philosophy, human tradition, empty deceit, and elemental principles of the world. That's exactly what Paul warns us about in Colossians 2.8. And finally, this is actually an act of love. Exposing your discussion partner is stealing from Christianity is one link in the chain connecting them to Jesus Christ. After all, if their ideas are self-contradictory and false, then they need to repent of that thinking. And if their ideas borrow from the Bible and you can show them that, then you can show them that they should actually believe in the Bible's message. And the heart of the Bible's message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we're not going to get into a full gospel presentation here. For now, you just need to know how to spot when your discussion partner, when your friend, is stealing from Christianity and how to respond with good questions. To do this well, you need to know your Bible well. You must know how God provides the basis for truth and for meaning and for goodness and everything else. And you also need to know where in the Bible these things are revealed. Okay, so now you know. What does it mean to steal from Christianity? It means that a non-Christian is trying to explain why the world behaves exactly the way the Bible says that it should, but in process, he is denying the God of the Bible and the truth of the gospel and the Lord Jesus who holds it all together. We talked about three ways that non-Christians steal from Christianity, when they accuse the Bible of being illogical, when they accuse God of violating human rights, and when they accuse the Bible of being anti-science. And we talked about how to catch non-Christians stealing from Christianity and how to respond when they do. First, notice that the non-Christian is appealing to biblical principles, ask for definitions, and then demand a standard. And to do this well, you must know your Bible. You must know what the Bible actually teaches. So now, do you want to grow as the worldview leader that your family and your church need? Join over 700 others who are getting equipped to explain, share, and defend the Christian message. Join the Think Squad. To get access to this group, all you have to do is open up Facebook and search for Think Squad. That's T-H-I-N-K-S-Q-U-A-D. Answer the short membership questions. That is all it takes. Thank you for listening to Worldview Legacy. This episode was produced by yours truly, Joel Sedeckes, and it is a production of the Think Institute. We equip believers to explain, share, and defend the Christian message. And we are based by God's grace.